We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Command Center podcast, home of the biggest edge in Dynasty Fantasy Football. My name is still Travis May. I'm the Debbie Coordinator at RotoViz, and I'm joined by Curtis Patrick, the Dynasty Coordinator here at uh, RotoViz. For many, a rookie draft season is already in full swing. So, on this episode, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about. Like, uh, for instance, what players are going where in rookie drafts already? What players are clearly. You know, there's no real consensus for just yet. And, uh, you know, where, where can you find value in some rookie drafts as well? But uh, Curtis and I will try to answer all those questions uh, this week. But Curtis, have you uh, actually had time to take a nap since, uh, <laughs> or maybe, maybe two naps since our latest rookie draft actually came out this week? That's a preposterous question, man. You can ask me about naps. You know, I'm, I'm a father <laughs> of three. I'm going to nap like 20 years from now, man. Like, my nap is like my drive to work in the morning, just on autopilot. That's the closest I get. Um, definitely, definitely no naps, but it, yeah, it is great. As you mentioned, the uh, Dynasty Command Center Rookie Guide, the final version is out now. You can find it at DynastyCommandCenter.com. Awesome, awesome stuff. Consensus ranks from the team, uh, a full top 24 for IDP. Got some actionable stuff that can help you when you're on the clock or planning your strategies for your draft. So that was really fun. It's, it's kind of nice to get that out and now just start doing the drafts, like you said. So um, we know the, the listeners are in their drafts, but I mean, you and I, we're getting ready for our drafts too. So this, this is fun. I'll probably learn something from you as we go that I'll do in my own draft. Oh yeah, same here. It's been fun just kind of looking through really the whole process from the first rookie guide, second rookie guide to now, just kind of learning from you and the other guys on our team, how you kind of approach the whole season. Uh, what you're doing throughout uh, the year. And I think that shows up in, in every piece that we put in every volume of the Rookie Guide. You can just kind of sense and, and understand the process that and all of the, the work that goes into building the guides, but really just how, how we all approach Rookie Drafts so differently. So it's it's given me ideas on how I can approach drafts just a little bit more strategically and also helps me understand you guys so that if we're in the same leagues i i know how to <laughs> how to take advantage of you guys so that's that's always good too. come on now you, we both know that is not going <laughs> to happen i i will not be taken advantage of i i resent the fact okay. that you're even you're even putting that out there but if you want to take advantage of ryan or tj or kyle be my guest <laughs> okay I, i'll do all of that then i'm, I'm in a couple spots with ryan so very good. We're colluding notes. on air. Gotta, I like it. Do that. Perfect. I mean, he doesn't really listen to the show. Come on. But <laughs> <laughs> he's And it's only because he's constantly on other podcasts that he can't find time to listen on the show. So, 
we we know he's, Ryan's a busy guy, but we'll just we'll we'll take his strategies and, and beat him with the, at his own game. But really excited about that. It's been a cool process, and uh, it was fun putting together that risers and followers piece. Uh, and I think we'll get to that some tonight. But uh, Curtis, before we tackle you know all the ins and outs of rookie draft season and how we're already approaching that, how about we remind our listeners where they should be playing Dynasty? Yeah, guys, this is just a no-brainer, okay? It's been 10 years since our friends at the FFPC filled their first Dynasty League, and they've now grown to be the world's largest Dynasty League commissioner. They've got leagues as high as $5,000 annual entry fee. FFPC leagues are active and competitive, and this is the most amazing thing, and this is one of the biggest complaints that I'll hear from people when they do Dynasty League startups. Not a single league has ever folded at the FFPC uh, when it comes to Dynasty. So you put your money in, you build that beautiful, beautiful team. That league is going to keep going year after year, and you can rack up those winnings. Brand new startup Dynasty Leagues are forming right now, starting at $77 and up. You can play in just a traditional, a super flex, or best ball format. FFPC also has plenty of other great redraft formats, including best ball drafts, which are filling daily. Go to myffpc.com. That's M-Y ffpc.com the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football and just a reminder all new subscribers to the dynasty command center slack also get a 35 dollars league credit and you can apply that to any dynasty league startup fee as long as it's a 77 dollars buy-in or higher that is a pretty sweet deal and uh i don't know how, how they do that that's or why we do that but <laughs> just give give them free money hey here, here here's some free money go, go use it go spend it go go have a good time but definitely get on that but with rookie drafts i don't know about you curtis but I, some of my leagues have been drafting since the day after the draft and some people even wanted to start midday three and while the draft was still going on people were just antsy to get started so i know a lot of our listeners are already doing that now and, and some of them will have a draft starting this weekend or the next couple weekends, I know some some of my really patient leagues wait till after Memorial Day, but um, I, so far I I don't think I've seen as far as the 1.01 the first pick goes, I don't think I've seen anyone besides Nikhil Harry, Josh Jacobs, or Kyler Murray if it's a superflex league go with the first pick. Those guys have just dominated the top end of drafts so far in those you know one quarterback and superflex formats. But what about you, Curtis? Have you seen anything else? And uh, what are you doing if you have the 101? Yeah, unfortunately, I don't own uh, any copies of the 101. You know, I I think if it was just a, a vanilla PPR league, I'd be very happy to take uh, Nikhil Harry there. I think as, we, as we've talked about in, in previous episodes, all of our Rotoviz tools, of course, love uh, Nikhil Harry. He has the, the breakout age that um, really no one can match and, and just really – not that no one can match the breakout age, but he broke out and then he just you know, he stayed there. He was just very consistent throughout the college career yeah. in a power five conference. He's got the size. He landed with a great quarterback. There's targets available. Um, it's just really a sterling profile. And so um, even though he might not have the year one production of some of these backs, I'm very happy to take Nikhil Harry if I've got the one-on-one. Probably not trading out to do that either. I think I'm going to take him there and then let the let that second tier running back sort itself out. And Superflex, though, um, I, I wrote about this in the foreword of the uh, Dynasty Command Center Rookie Guide. There is no way you are prying the 101 out of my hands in, in Superflex either. Um, Kyler Murray, um, at this point, the Arizona Cardinals have just done so much to clearly shape um, the next few years of this franchise around the idea of impl- a full implementation of air raid principles. They hired an air raid head coach. They... Uh, traded away last year's early first round franchise blue chip cornerstone quarterback and went and got a quarterback who played in the air raid system, uh, an offshoot of that air raid system that Cliff Kingsbury wants to put in. And then they they drafted two wide receivers within the top 103 picks as well. So everything points to Kyler Murray uh, distributing the ball very frequently to all these different weapons in the offense. And and we know what he can add from a, a mobility uh, standpoint. Um, people will argue offensive line woes in Arizona. I think Kyler can can help mitigate some of that with his his mobility and, and uh, extending plays uh, either in the pocket or outside of the pocket. And then, of course, he's always a threat 
um, to put some yards up on the ground too. And, and, and we all know how valuable that is. The Konami code uh, as Lord Reeb's Rich Rebar always uh, refers to in fantasy football. So at the 101, it's just very clear for me. Um, the, the only, the only time it gets a little bit, um, where I would squint a little bit or where I'd scratch my head, it's in half PPR. And this is a question that I've actually got on Twitter a lot and, and half PPR is Nikhil Harry still my one one. And I think what I do there is I just, the top tier is now four players in, instead of just one player. And I would not certainly not fault somebody yeah. for wanting to pull the trigger on one of the backs, their favorite back and half PPR. And, 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 you know, points per carry, then we can start throwing it out the window. But we could spend a whole episode on all these specialty scoring systems. But PPR, half PPR, pretty, uh, pretty common. So what, what about you, man? What are you doing with the 101 and, and those uh, couple situations we just talked about? Well, I'm definitely taking Kyler Murray. I think uh, there, there's too many reasons. I mean, he really has one of the best profiles uh, we've really ever seen besides maybe his height <laughs> as far as quarterbacks go. So I'm not really hesitating in super flex leagues to take him there but because he has that value uh, I'm in an auction right now his value is is skyrocketing already and he's kind of already you know his value I think last time I checked was not that far off of like Aaron Rodgers which it, it's gone through the roof so if you can get a crazy price uh, and I have the 101 in Superflex and I'm okay at quarterback I think I would be considering you know trading off of that just because I know that so many people are ranking him so high already like quarterback six seven eight nine in that range and he hasn't played anything yet and so uh, I'm okay kind of pivoting and just uh, gambling on on some other proven pieces and some picks to go with that and I think uh, some of my leagues are partial point per carry as well and so I think that's where I'm I'm probably going to find myself taking a back in one quarterback leagues more so than than Harry um, whether that's Miles Sanders or whether that's Josh Jacobs um, I, I think uh, and that would kind of change my mind if I was in 0.25 uh, points per carry. Or I, I'm even in a league where we get uh, they just adjusted it to where rushing yards are. It's, I think it's 0.125 instead of 0.1 per per yard. So it's you know every eight yards you get a point. So a little bit more value at the running back position. So that definitely changes things. But in more vanilla formats, I think Nikhil is just the safest play up top. I mean, there's no you know Saquon that's just auto pick across just about all formats this year but the 101 is still really valuable so if you can get a king's ransom for that pick i'm still considering moving off of it because generally it's just too valuable to even really make a selection Uh, but beyond that you mentioned you know the three backs that are kind of in that top tier i think there's a lot of disagreement more so than i thought anyway in my leagues um as to who the best back is but I still haven't seen anybody just take a stand and, and take Miles Sanders first overall but there, there's been some spots where he's gone ahead of Jacobs and I'm in that camp I actually have him uh, ahead of Josh Jacobs but I think really the consensus in many drafts is, is going to be Sanders versus Montgomery now so like for you how would you I know you, you love the cops pre-draft for David Montgomery but where are you with their situations now yeah, I think their situations are really uh, pretty similar. We have we have coaching staffs that are talking about the ability of them to be three down backs. Um, we don't have the presence of anyone else resembling a true bell cow back that would be uh, a three down player on either team. You know, in, in Chicago we have Tariq Cohen, um, who you know is, is effective in spurts when you hand him the ball, but obviously his his value is. Uh, throwing him the ball out of the backfield or even splitting him out, which I think we may see a little bit more of this year. Miles Sanders, of course, that coaching staff, you know, comparing him to Brian Westbrook, which I don't, for some of you haven't been playing fantasy as long as maybe I have, Brian Westbrook was an absolute fantasy stud, man. And if they're going to give him that type of receiving volume, um, that's something to really be salivating over. So, I, you know, the, the main thing for me is I'm definitely Sanders Montgomery over Jacobs. And it's because of the production profiles being a plus in their favor, and then also the athleticism. Um, so it's I think they're all in that tier. I understand if you are a film fanatic, or if your favorite fantasy analyst or football analyst is a fa- is a film fanatic. I understand, and I can respect your stance that you might prefer Josh Jacobs. To me, that doesn't seem like the best use of a pick in a tier that way. But again, I'm putting a little bit more value on the team situation and the profile and the production 
and I'm not going to try to to mince up really nuanced stuff about a player's film. I think all of them have looked good uh, on their best plays. Yeah, uh, and we have more examples of those best plays uh, probably from Sanders and Montgomery just because of the opportunity they had in college. So you know that that's that's really where I'm at. I think Montgomery is going to consistently be the one um, that's third in line. In most rookie drafts, that's what I'm seeing. I'm in an auction as well right now. He's certainly more affordable. I think he was like, you know, like 10 to 15% cheaper than Miles Sanders, who was also about 10% cheaper than Josh Jacobs. So I'm just very happy to, to wait till the end, that end of that tier. And, and if I'm really running back hungry, I'm trying to trade up to like the 104. Because if it's a league where yeah. it's running back crazy, then Harry's going to drop to me. And if it's not a running back crazy league or somebody does want Harry, then I'm just sitting there scooping up whichever running back falls. I mean, that's like 104 is like the really attractive trade-up spot for me. Um, same here. I, as soon as the draft was over, I was like, wow, this draft is four picks or bust. That's just kind of how I felt. I, I just felt like everything else, uh, there's just this huge, massive tier of players I'm considering, but none of which I'm really pumped about. In that range, and I think that shows up if you look at uh, the Rotoviz rankings. I think if, if you look at even with our DCC team, I know that there's a lot of uh, d- disagreement. And if even when you uh, looking at you know, looking at the guide and seeing who's high and who's the lowest on somebody, there's there's some big gaps in that second tier. But that Nikhil Harry, Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, uh, David Montgomery, that that tier, at least in most of my leagues. That's that seems pretty safe. I think in a couple spots you might see somebody reach up and get somebody that they like a little bit more. But for the most part, all of those guys are going like top five, and Superflex are going all top six, uh, just about all the time. And so that's kind of where we are. But I I I don't know. I, I know you have Paris Campbell ranked higher, I think, than any other Rotoviz ranker, and you have him up there. Uh, I think he was uh, eighth or so in your ranks, but. I've seen Campbell go as high as five in single quarterback leagues. And I think he's rising uh, here lately because people are realizing, oh, okay, he might actually still line up in the slot and T.Y. Hilton might actually be slid outside in this offense this year. And he might have a huge target target share opportunity, a huge you know snap share opportunity right away versus some of these other guys. Uh, is, is he is Paris Campbell somebody that is is in the conversation at, at, at the no near near the top of uh, that that second tier outside the top four for you? Yeah, you and I were talking a little bit before the show about just how deep that tier is, and in the in the DCC rookie guide, and we we're calling that tier three because we all kind of had Harry as a consensus one hundred and one, and so it really goes from like one hundred and five down into the top of the second round. And I'm really just yeah. not going to blame people for who they want to take in that range. You know, you want to talk about value or just amassing picks to to build out a roster, especially if you're rebuilding or even if you're even if you're in a startup where the rookies are included. I mean, I think you're going to be able to hammer the names at the end of that tier, but you're not going to be able to predict who's going to be available. Like, you know, people that want to tweet or ask us in the Slack, like, "Hey, what pick do I need to get Noah Fant?" Dude, I don't know. I, I don't know. Dude, I don't know. Question. When, when <laughs> should I draft DK Metcalf? Guys, I don't know. Like the answer to all of those players in that tier is basically what, if you want to be guaranteed to have them, you're going to have to get one Oh five. And I've seen people, yeah. uh, smart people who I respect talking about that, you know, an analyst saying, Hey, just trade back from one Oh five to one Oh nine. Like in most years, like that's sound advice, but you're, there's not value available for that this year. Like, I think people realize that the tier is big and like if you want to trade back you just have to be okay with getting less in return like in the past Mm -hmm. 112 to 105 you're probably paying a future first for a jump that big uh or multiple seconds this year you might be lucky to get like a late second this year um because otherwise i mean otherwise i mean they'll just let you take 105 and see and see who falls so to to get to the question or the, the analysis on campbell I'm not sure anybody's been hyped more uh, after his team's rookie camp than Campbell. Uh, there's one other guy. I think DK Metcalf's mm, getting true. a lot of press too, but the team really seems to to be in love with him. I, I, hopefully, you guys have watched the uh, what the Colts put out. I think uh, some sort of collaboration with NFL Films or something. There was a there was a behind the scenes look at their war room during the draft, and man, Frank Reich was pumped to get Paris Campbell, and uh, he. You know, he was pumped when they got Eric Ebron in free agency last year. And people were like, what? 
And uh, I think he's he is a coach that understands how to put a player in a role to to get the biggest bang. And and I think he is one of the coaches that could really help Paris Campbell be a breakout. But from a situation perspective, let's be careful. Like I don't think he's an automatic hundred target guy or even an eighty target guy in this offense yet because we still got both of the tight ends, Ebron and Doyle. We've got Devin Funches uh, new in town. Um, we've got Naeem Hines, who is you know used out of the backfield and in the slot last year. So there's going to have to be a reshuffling um, of how some of these players are going to be used. So Paris Campbell could be one of those like low opportunity, high efficiency guys this year. Or you know the nuts would be that he's used almost in like a, a Jarvis Landry style role where he can just rack up all that mm. yak on the turf and and he'll just scorch the earth and he'll look like. You know, the people that were drafting him at the end of the first round will just be laughing all the way to the bank. So um, I would not blame anyone for taking him 105. I'm not quite there yet because he doesn't have as much of a path to maybe being his team's number one receiver that I see for a couple other guys that I have in front of him. But sure, man, you could do worse than taking the guy tied to Andrew Luck. What do you think, man? Would, would you take Campbell at 105? Could you see yourself taking him there? I could, yeah, I could. If in pe- like full PPR, I, I could see myself, and, and that's not where I was mm-hmm. uh, pre-draft, and that's not where I was even immediately after the draft. Yeah, uh, but after really digging into it, I, I, I'm just thinking, you know what? There's no way if he's healthy. There's no way he doesn't see 60, 70 percent of his team snaps this year, and if that's the case, uh, and he is put in the slot where he's already comfortable. And they ask him to just be a yak monster and then press deep every once in a while, probably more so than Ohio State asked him to anyway. Uh, I think that would be perfect. I think he would be the perfect fit. At first, I was like, man, well, T.Y. Hilton will probably stay in the slot, but he doesn't always stay in the slot. And so if they do put Campbell where he can succeed right away, I think he has an immediate impact and can see his value go up versus a few of the other guys uh, on the list that are maybe right below uh, where he is in my rankings right now, which could probably change in a week or two. But uh, you mentioned a couple other guys that you would uh, consider over Campbell that you you think could be difference makers right out of the gate. Uh, if you're sitting on the clock at 105, 106 in that range, who are you hoping uh, to take there? Yeah, I mean, the it, it's the, the my top half of that tier – um, the guys that I'm considering right now at 105, it would be uh, in no particular order: Metcalf, Campbell, Isabella, and Hardman. And these are all the guys that, in this tier, they're the non-tight ends who I think have the best shot of great production in year one. I mean, I think all these guys are probably going to retain their value pretty well. Um, Ryan McDowell, uh, I saw tweeted earlier this week. I think last year, uh, the only the only consensus or like community wide top 12 rookie pick that had fallen out of the top 100 in startup drafts year over year was Ronald Jones. Like the 11 out of the other 12 players had insulated value regardless of production. And so I think that we'll see that from this group, especially since there's such a lack of agreement, but yeah, it's those four. And and you also notice that those are the four that are in the, the systems uh, with the coaches and or quarterbacks that can help uh, with an assist uh, with that breakout. Metcalf is with Russell Wilson. Campbell's with Andrew Luck. Hardman's with Mahomes. You know, is- Isabella is in the air raid with with Murray. Oh yeah. Um, and so you know, I, I can't wait to see just how much they throw. Yeah, I know, man. <laughs> it's gonna be a lot of fun. Hey, hey, Kingsbury never ranked worse than seventh in the nation in passing attempts in six years at Texas Tech. College football has 100 plus teams, folks. That's not seven out of seven out of 32 in the NFL would have been impressive, but we're talking no lower than seventh in six years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, including a year number one overall, a couple top threes. So they're gonna be they're gonna be throwing the ball, and uh, they're gonna be I think having some favorable fantasy game scripts too. But yeah, those those are the four. Is there anybody yeah. besides those four or anybody? I, I think you're maybe not as high on Hardman. No, I'm not as high on Hardman, but I wouldn't knock anybody that's going for the Tyreek Hill ceiling. I just don't think he's that player at all. They desperately want him to be uh, if they absolutely have to have him be that, but he isn't Tyreek Hill, and I think that's where I'm just a little bit hesitant. I think there's there's still a few things that can go wrong for Hardman. Uh, I think there, 
Tyreek Hill's situation is still kind of technically up in the air. So I, I don't know that I'm I'm willing to invest a, a, the fifth or sixth pick in a guy like that. But mm-hmm. Andy Isabella, I think I am. And a lot of people were are worried because, you know, we were just high on Christian Kirk in this offseason. I think a lot of people were. Uh, people were high on Hakeem Butler, and I think they still are. But I think there's going to be a lot of targets to go around. And and, and, and Andy Isabella has basically basically the best production profile uh, in this class, uh, in, in my opinion. And really, it, I, I just came out with a piece over at Rotoviz, uh, the adjusted production index, and uh, kind of outlined how he just kind of absolutely dominates uh, with his dominator rating, with his yards per team pass attempt, with, with, with his touchdowns per team pass attempt. Uh, just across the board, everything you want to see a wide receiver do production-wise against the toughest competition uh, with horrible teammates around him uh, to support him, he was he was able to succeed. And I think the road of his team is probably the highest on Isabella out of any, anyone I, I, I've seen in terms of uh, kind of expert consensus rankings. I think he is the either the third or fourth <laughs> somewhere in there uh, overall. And so I, I I'm on the same page. He's he's up in that conversation, middle of the first round. I I think that's going to be a target that I want in a lot of my drafts this year. But uh, let's uh, let's hear from uh, one of our other partners before we move on to uh, a couple other players tonight. All right, we talked a little bit about dynasty, but. The, the bread and butter of fantasy, it's Dynasty and it's DFS because we got the slow burn and then we got the instant gratification. DFS is that instant gratification. Uh, and we want you to think of Yahoo as your DFS destination. The Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports platform is unlike what you've seen from the other big box brands. GPP contests have max entry limits of 10 per player and their quick match feature pairs up users with similar experience and win-loss records to ensure you're going to go head-to-head with people of similar skill level as you. There won't be any sharks gobbling up your head-to-heads unless you want them to. The lobby is always full of baseball, basketball, hockey, and my personal favorite this time of year, PGA contests. You can try your hand at Yahoo DFS with $25 free on the house. Just use our promo code VIZ25, that's viz 25 with your first deposit. Go to yahoo.com slash daily fantasy today to start your journey. You could be the next big winner. And next week, guys, PGA changed their season around. It's the PGA Championship in May. So be looking for great content from Matt Jones. He and I are actually going to be doing a, a, a 10 minute, 15 minute PGA picks pod. That's going to be really fun uh, with an, a novice like myself and an expert like Matt. So, uh, again, $25 free with code VIZ25 at first deposit. Nice. Again, fantastic. Hey, here's some free money type uh, type deal. De- definitely check that out. I know I'm going to be doing that uh, this year. I-, I won't be able to, uh, you know, do, uh, you know, maybe all the college stuff I want because it's in, in Tennessee. And it-, it is illegal. But, uh, you know, maybe-, maybe one day we'll move on here in Tennessee and get with the times and quit trying to illegalize <laughs> uh, fantasy sports uh, here in Tennessee. I have no idea why. But I uh, can't wait to definitely check that out this year, at least with the uh, you know, the NFL stuff. So, uh, but anyway, there's no consensus. Uh, when another player I wanted to talk about that pre-draft was way up at the top of, of Rotoviz's board. Uh, I know you and I both really like this guy, Daryl Henderson. I, I'm not seeing any consensus with him. I, I, I get questions all the time, uh, from people saying, Hey, should I take Daryl Henderson at the 1.07 or 1.08? And, and then the same day, Guys be like, hey, I'm on the clock. It's uh, pick 16. Is this too early to, to take Daryl Henderson? It's super flex. And, and I, he's just all over the board. Have you seen that going on in your leagues too? Yeah, people literally have no idea. Um, he does seem to be the consensus RB4. I'm not really seeing in auctions yeah. or um, in traditional rookie drafts. I'm not seeing Damian Harris or Devin Singletary or uh, you know Justice Hill. Those guys are not going in front of him. So, I mean, he's got his little niche there. But, yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen, like, almost a full round's worth of difference on him. And and I think he's just such a tough evaluation because in a vacuum you say, well, he goes to L.A., C.J. Anderson played well there last year. But there's so much, like, it's just like a shrouded and mystery situation uh, with Todd Gurley and what's really going on there. It's like, you know, every time 
uh, that Sean McVay says, like, Todd Gurley's our guy, and Daryl Henderson will have a role, but Todd Gurley's our guy. And then Gurley, like, is, like, mysterious about his health on his Twitter yeah. over and over. Like, it's just, like, dude, if you're healthy, just tell us. And if you're not, like, I, I mean, you already got your payday. <laughs> like, just just let us know, please. Yeah. What do I have to do to get that information from you, Todd Gurley? It would be so helpful, just in Dynasty in general, uh, but also for Daryl Henderson's, um, you know, uh, prospects here. So um, he's he's my RB4 at this point. I do see, you know, he's basically a guy that I think he's going to produce no matter what. I've heard too much chatter about a change of pace role and how much McVeigh seems to think the team needs to change up. He's made multiple comments in interviews in the last month about, you know, how much they were in three receiver formations and thinks that they need to evolve or that everyone will catch up. You know, we saw that with the Green Bay offense early in Aaron Rodgers' career. They had all that success, and then and then basically McCarthy just sat on his laurels and they didn't change for like a decade. And McVay's too smart to do that. So I think we're going to see new wrinkles. I think the fact that they traded up, what, like 24, 25 picks to get this guy? I mean, they, they gave up considerable yeah. draft capital. And so I think that that's a that's a positive indicator too of his role. So you're going to have to draft him knowing that he doesn't have the year one upside of any of those other three backs, and be okay with the idea that he's maybe like a spot flex player, um, at least for the first year until we truly see what Todd Gurley can do. Uh, it's hard for hard for me to really say where you need to be. I, I think if if you want to be guaranteed to get him, you're probably looking at the 108 area. Um, cause I think anytime after that, he's going to be fair game depending on how running back hun- hungry a competitor's roster is. Yeah, I completely agree because he is such, he's on an Island in that running back four conversation. I think for most people, no one knows when to take him, So they're okay taking him about three picks ahead of where they might think they need to just being like, Hey, I, I this is my guy. Uh, I want to get the handcuff cause I'm, I'm the girly owner. And I just today I had a guy asking me about, well, hey, the, the Gurley owner owns 2.01. Should I trade ahead of him to the 112? And I was like, I don't know if that would do it either. Yeah, so it, that's kind of tough. But I think that you've got to be in that 108 to 112 range to kind of guarantee it. But even then, it, it's just such a wild card because there's there's not very many true, uh, quote unquote, handcuff players that you have to have attached to a certain uh, other feature running back in the NFL that I really trust that you can just come in and they're going to explode and I'm going to have them in my lineup every single week. But Daryl Henderson is one of those guys just because he's such a home run hitter. Uh, he demonstrated that in, in just unbelievable efficiency in college. I think he would just explode in that offense if he was ever given the reins fully. If it is that Gurley is going to have a shorter career or if, if it is that Gurley has to miss, you know, six plus weeks this year for whatever reason, you're going to have instant dividends there on, on this selection with Henderson. So it's just kind of weird because it's one of the best handcuffs to have. And even if you don't have Gurley, I think it's really valuable to have because you have such a trade value available to you with that Gurley owner at some point, uh, if need be. Or you just have an extra running back down the stretch because Gurley struggles in November, December, at some point with health. So, so many ways where he can bring value it's just not a lock and it's not just ideal what we want to see. But I think that's why he's such a steal because later in the first round, most of the time, most of the time you're not going to find a running back of this caliber that just drops this far. I think normally if he was in a decent situation in previous classes, he's on, he's on par with uh, talent level and upside with players that I think you'd get, you'd see just kind of locked in at 1.05, 1.06, but he's dropping way below that in most of my leagues. But speaking of another guy who's, who's dropping in leagues versus where I'm seeing him in mocks, A.J. Brown, I, and I'm a Titans fan, I, I want A.J. Brown to succeed. I want him to do really well. Uh, but I think the landing spot is less than ideal uh, on paper, and in, in really any way you slice it, it's less than ideal. But I continuously see him go pretty high in mock drafts. But when, when people are really on the clock and they really have to pull the trigger, I'm not seeing anybody touch A.J. Brown very high like they were pre-draft he kind of worked his way up to our wide receiver two prior to the draft Curtis and I outlined that but Curtis where are you seeing AJ Brown go and if you still want to target him what are you doing to make that happen well I probably just won't end up with any shares of him I mean I think he's still the community's still valuing him really high and and he seems like he's a he's other other than maybe for our DCC team 
he seems like he's still kind of a consensus top five guy. I I, don't, I don't, haven't checked the DLF ADP. I know they run their mock drafts, um, so not really sure where he's going there. I think you said you might have had that, so it'd be interesting to see where he's at uh, in their mocks. But I'm just not going to, you know, he's in the tier with the guys that we talked about earlier. But the Titans have a slow, low passing volume offense. They've been like 27th yeah. in attempts or worse, it's like every year of Mariota's really career, except uh, I think year two. Um, Corey Davis is still there. Corey Davis was like, what, fifth overall when he came into the league. Okay. So, um, you know, that's how the NFL, that's how the Titans viewed him. It's a different regime now. I get that. But he's entering year three. He came from a smaller school. We've seen players from outside the power five take a little longer to season. You know, Devontae Adams comes to mind, was basically a a really big disappointment in the minds of many through two years, exploded in year three with all the touchdowns. We've seen some positive things from Corey Davis in the past. I'm not ready to write him off. They also brought in um, Adam Humphreys to man the slot. So, you know, I don't know how much work will A.J. Brown get there. So now we got two perimeter receivers in Brown and Davis uh, just completely um, undercutting each other's upside. We got Humphreys as a safety valve underneath. We got Delaney Walker coming back from injury, who's basically been Mariota and every other quarterback's best friend in Tennessee for years now. I, I just don't like. Oh, yeah. I just don't like it, and and he's a player that, you know, I, he's not going to fall out of the top 100 in startups uh, by this time next year. But I feel pretty strongly he's going to be cheaper to acquire this time next year. You know, I think he might have like a Rashad Penny type rookie year where it's like you know you want to love him, and he had a great profile too, but you just don't see much in year one. So you're like, what is this guy even? And so he's almost like, you know, it's like a redshirt year almost. That's what I envisioned for A.J. Brown for all the, all the reasons that, that we mentioned. Um, and, and I know as a Titans fan, you, you fully admit that, that Tennessee is like pretty much in, in the passing game. It's like fantasy purgatory. <laughs> like, I mean, it might be worse. It might be fantasy hell. I mean, it's, it's bad. It's really bad. I mean, in this day and age, they're still, they're still running the ball more than throwing it uh, by, I think, 20 20- I think they ran the ball 20 more times than they passed it last year. And uh, not many teams are doing that. And I think uh, the moves that they've made uh, solidify that they, they just want to run the ball and, and give it to Derrick Henry maybe a little bit more this year. And uh, they just desperately needed a wide receiver. Somebody was going to go to Tennessee because they weren't going to deal with Tajay Sharp, the most inefficient wide receiver in the NFL last year, <laughs> and uh, Taewon Taylor as uh, their their primary options. It just wasn't going to happen. I mean, Deion Lewis was second in receptions on the team last year. And so that they just had to kind of have a different approach. And so I think there is there is more upside than I think a lot of, you know, his, his well, Tennessee's most significant critics are pinning it to be. It's a little bit brighter than that, but it's still pretty bleak. I don't mm-hmm. think he sees 100 targets. I think it's probably more like 70, 80 targets. And uh, you mentioned him being an outside wide receiver in, in college. He was more of a slot guy, but he was incredibly efficient uh, from the outside when he was asked to be. So I think he is going to be an outside guy, but I just don't know how many targets that really gives him this year. Uh, so it's it's going to be kind of weird with him moving forward. And if Corey Davis really does succeed, then uh, A.J. Brown is not ever going to be a real true wide receiver one on his own team. So I wouldn't be taking him top five, top six, but I, I'm still seeing in a lot of ADP and a lot of mocks uh, that he is going fifth, sixth, uh, pretty much all over the place. And I, I can't do it anymore, which is sad because I really like him as a player and he's on my favorite team. But uh, that's n- not how I'm going to be drafting this year. But speaking of Ole Miss wide receivers, another guy who, who's been kind of hyped up in the other direction, uh, almost similar to Paris Campbell, uh, getting hyped to the Colts, DK Metcalf. Uh, he's he's super interesting just because he's a freak and he can run really fast. And now Doug Baldwin might be retiring. So, but but still somehow he's the like the most polar, polarizing player in this class. Uh, where are you drafting DK, DK Metcalf if you have a pick in that uh, that third tier or second tier of players? Well, like I said, I mean he he's in that group of four at the top top of the tier. If if I'm drafting today, he's probably not at the top of that tier just because of the you know we just talked about passing volume in Seattle. 
or in uh, Tennessee, Seattle's got a similar problem. I mean, Seattle ran the ball over 530 times last year. The, yes. the, the, yeah, the, yeah, the big thing, that includes Russell Wilson's r- rushing attempts, um, but still, it, just an insane number. The key with Metcalf to an early breakout is is Doug Baldwin's health. And Doug Baldwin's been, you know, he's, the rumor now is that he's considering retirement. And I, I don't know that even two, three months ago, I mean, people might have had like, that thought in the back of their mind, but I don't know that anyone had gone there from a reality standpoint with Baldwin. He's just such a tough guy playing through the, all of those, you know, crazy list of injuries last year, but they're really mounting. And so I think for Metcalf, you have to you have to recognize that a target from Russell Wilson does not equal a target from other quarterbacks in the league. He's been propping up receivers with efficient fantasy scoring for years. I mean, case in point, you know, Tyler Lockett uh, being uh, so fantasy relevant, even when Doug Baldwin was still on that team last year. And I mean, let, let's think about the types of targets that Lockett was getting you know, in a mixed role, kind of being between the wide receiver one and wide receiver two, between, you know, whether Baldwin was playing or not. And Baldwin actually suited up, I think, in 13 out of 16 contests. But Tyler Lockett had 158.3 passer rating, perfect passer rating when targeted. It's the only time it's ever happened. And it's because that, yeah, it's because that's pretty incredible. Yeah, it's the touchdown rate, but it's also, you know, the average uh, depth of completion stuff. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. And if Baldwin is gone, I mean, Metcalf is probably the guy that's in the former locket role. I mean, you tell me, Travis, is is DK Metcalf good at the deep ball? Is he going to be able to? Is he going to be able to beat? I think he's a, okay. Yeah, is I he going to beat NFL <laughs> cornerbacks? Is he going to be able to run by him? Do we care about his three cone if he's running uh, a nine route? No. So I no I no I don't. Yeah, I think he's gonna he's gonna be okay. Certainly more you know in dynasty best ball. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, I, I'd be very much considering pulling the trigger at 105. Still don't think he has the upside on the volume as guys like Isabella or even Hardman, depending on what you think about Tyreek Hill uh, and his his uh, prospects of coming back. But there's, there's, I mean, for falling out of the first round, we talked about on this pod a month ago that DK Metcalf basically needed to be drafted in the first round in order to have top half yeah the top half yeah. of the first, yeah you're right it was top 15 top 15 or top 16 before his comps just went to pot well his, his comps are have gone to pot yeah. because he fell to the last pick of the second round but you know he he has a fantasy messiah <laughs> at his side in the form of russell wilson and so um you know he he metcalf was a player that was my 101 at, at one point uh you know i think in in volume one uh, of this guide and as we got deeper into the into the profiles, um, I, I wised up a, a little bit. But there were only a couple quarterbacks he could have landed with to save his outlook, and Russell Wilson was certainly one of them. And now, when you think about Baldwin retiring, I mean, you you literally it it doesn't take that much of an imagination to say DK Metcalf could be Seattle's wide receiver one in the year twenty twenty, and Russell Wilson's wide receiver one's basically not been worse than a high-end wide receiver too for years. So that's the upside we're talking about now. Where I mean where where are you with him? Are, is is he back in that early conversation or you know what are you doing? Yeah, he has to be. He has to be for me. I think just because they they're probably not going to ask him to excel within a, an entire route tree. Uh yeah, I'd like to him, him to run more than like basically two routes. <laughs> uh but uh he's probably not going to have to do that to have some big splashy moments and have some big highlight plays to at least maintain value. Just given his his freak stature and his athleticism, I think people, there's going to be at least two, three, four owners in your leagues that really are still enamored with DK Metcalf after year one, even if it is a limited you know, kind of small target sample with, with four touchdowns and it's it's not crazy yardage, but he's efficient with what he's given. I think he's probably going to still be ranked pretty high. I mean, like r- rookies just hold their value year over year. And with somebody mm-hmm. that has this perceived upside, that's not going away. So I think uh, he ha- he is a safer pick than I think the haters uh, of DK want to admit. And I, I've, I've poked fun at uh, a few people here and there, especially Jake Anderson, if you're listening, but about being all over DK 
but uh, truthfully, I, I believe in, in his ridiculous upside. And so he's either going to hit and it's going to be amazing to watch or he's, uh, he's not, but I think he's in a good situation where he can now. So I'm not really super worried about Metcalf, but moving out of the first, first, second round that, that early tier, and we get to some tougher decisions with some guys that are, you know, not perfect in their profile, not, not, you know, in the perfect situation on the same team. We have a guy in Terry McLaurin and a guy in Kelvin Harmon. They're just completely opposite types of players in size and in stature and speed and, and how they even play the game. But they're on the same same team, and one had uh, basically the draft capital that we thought the other was going to have at some point. I think a lot of people were not high on Terry McLaurin until very late in the process. And he has, frankly, one of the worst production profiles in this class Yet, obviously, there are some exceptions at Ohio State that, that have hit with those kind of lesser lesser profiles from a production standpoint. And he's got his college quarterback tossing him the ball now, too. So I don't know if that gives him a boost, but I've seen both of them kind of go late second round, uh, even to like the mid-third round in rookie drafts still. And I've seen both go over the other. So where are you with Kelvin Harmon versus Terry McLaurin. Well, um, I dare I say I I was probably higher on Terry McLaurin than than anyone that I'm aware of pre NFL draft. I actually I traded up to take him at 212 in a rookie draft that occurred before the NFL draft, um, which raised a lot of eyebrows in the Elite Lemonade Dynasty League. Um, and uh, so I mean, you know, it it really turned out to be a dream scenario when he gets the draft capital. Uh, he goes to a team with with no clear, uh, definitely no clear pecking order in the wide receiver room whatsoever. Anyone who thinks they have the Washington Redskins receiver room figured out, uh, you are, I, I don't know, you're a wizard. Uh, because I there's there's no way that you know. Jay Gruden doesn't know who his wide receivers are yet. There's no way. Uh, but he lands there with the draft capital. He lands there in, in a great situation where he could easily rise and ascend in that room, and he gets his college teammate who's going to be more familiar with him and the way he runs his routes and the timing and all of those types of things from day one. If you draft Kelvin Harmon over Terry McLaurin at this point, I don't know what your process is. There is no process which should lead you to draft him over Terry McLaurin in a dynasty draft at this point. There's there's no – I mean, you can point to his production profile – but the team that he landed on passed on him multiple times after they selected McLaurin before they even were willing mm-hmm. to invest that pick there. And in my estimation, Harmon is like, he's like uh, a, a hedge on the 40 targets that Josh Doxson's going to get um, before his leg falls off or he's cut. I mean, that's like, that's the role. Like he, you know, he's a contested catch guy. Maybe he has like an end zone role or something like that. I, I like Kelvin Harmon. And I think Kelvin Harmon is somebody that basically the whole community kind of just got wrong. He was a Debbie darling for many years because of the way that he produced. And so, I mean, I, you know, I think many of us were high on him and envisioned him as a first round rookie pick, even a high first round rookie pick early on in this process. But it's, it's indefensible. Please do not draft Kelvin Harmon before Terry McLaurin at this point. And yes, Terry McLaurin, he's a guy that's late second, uh, two three turn probably worthy is a great spot for him Harmon, i'm not touching until probably the mid to late, probably late third round at this point and there's just there's just not a track record of success for six round picks i mean i, I, I there, there's other guys that make so much more sense that are going to get that opportunity i think you nailed it i think that's it i i completely agree i i can't really defend kelvin Harmon as much as i like certain aspects of his game uh, at this point, it's really hard to project him as you know a future successful NFL wide receiver. That's just there's no. not a whole lot of evidence to support believing that. So as much as it sucks to say, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it does suck to say. But I mean, the, here here's what happened: the NFL clearly values separation now. We they don't mm-hmm. Harmon. We liked Harmon because he was like the old like Des Bryant prototypical like X receiver that everyone thought like that's the receiver you build in a lab until we figured out that he wasn't a very great athlete. But separation is what matters now. And Terry McLaurin is going to be able to separate. Terry McLaurin's a good route runner. He's a really good route runner. I know you know that. You watched him. So, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, don't just don't do it, guys. Don't draft Harmon over McLaurin. Don't do it. 
which feels really weird to say considering where we started. But that's just that's the nature of it. You gotta you can't have take lock. That's just that's how you yeah. lose in Dynasty with take lock. So, but yeah, before we kind of sign off here, uh, let's just give the listeners uh, kind of one running back and the, and one wide receiver that could be a steal in rookie drafts based on what you're already seeing uh, in your leagues and, and mocks still uh, based on what we know now with draft capital, their produ- production profile, whatever makes them really pop for you. Uh, what's one running back that's definitely a steal for you? End of the second round, I, I love where Justice Hill landed. He landed in a in, in Baltimore where stole mine. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I love it. I love it when I steal your stuff, man. You're gonna have to riff. Um, but yeah, and that's okay. Hey, that's a double endorsement if that's where you want to go. But he landed on a high volume run team. Um, he has specific skills uh, that he can add. Even though Mark Ingram's gonna be the lead dog for at least a year, maybe two years. Um, but I think Justice, you know, we talked about Daryl Henderson being a complimentary piece in Los Angeles. And I think Justice Hill can be that same kind of electric change of pace guy um, that will will get the high value fantasy opportunity. So really, really enjoy taking him at the sec- end of the second round. Yeah, I, I got to say, I agree with you there. I really love Justice Hill. I mean, I even had some Debbie shares of Justice Hill just because of uh, his kind of early production and his ability to carry a ridiculous workload at Oklahoma State regardless of his being undersized Uh, and I think he's in a good spot I mean besides you know Ingram being in town still I think he could definitely produce especially if there's any kind of injury at all in that backfield I think he's in a really good spot to kind of be a steal that was going to be mine but I think moving down the board a little bit further I think you look at a guy like Alexander Madison not the perfect athletic profile, but he's in a situation behind Dalvin Cook, a player that's missed about half of his NFL games so far, which really stinks. Uh, but that's uh, just the truth of it. Uh, and he's, you know, when he was out, I think it was Latavius Murray, who I'm not a fan of his talent. So even even if you don't really like Alexander Madison's talent, I think his opportunity if Dalvin Cook goes down is incredible, and I think he could get some spot work regardless that could spike his value up where he is currently going, which is definitely in the third round and beyond of all my drafts thus far. Uh, so running back, that's that's kind of who I would be looking to target later on. But uh, as far as wide receivers go, do you have kind of a Justice Hill of the wide receivers that you think could be a steal later on that we perhaps haven't talked about already? Heck yeah, man. I absolutely do. And this is a guy that I totally whiffed on because I didn't think the NFL would be on him. Deontay Johnson, man. Deontay Johnson... Dude, you got to stop this. <laughs> <laughs> well, we already talked about Terry McLaurin, but uh, Deontay Johnson. Yeah. Now, the, the Steelers do have their wide receiver room figured out, and the Steelers also have wide receivers figured out. I mean, the Steelers are like, they're the GOAT uh, franchise when it comes to identifying wide receivers who are going to succeed in their systems. And, and it's persisted across multiple offensive coordinators. They just know what's going to work in their system. And they, they pass the ball. They score a lot of points. They've got Ben Roethlisberger. They've got Juju. They've got James Conner. They've got Vance McDonald. But they don't have the clear number two yet. They drafted James Washington last year. Uh, I'm a fan of James Washington and what he does, but very different player than Deontay Johnson. And I'm a little bit worried for James Washington now because I think Deontay Johnson's skills translate a little bit to maybe what Juju Smith-Schuster in the role that he was playing as a rookie. And so... I mean, do not be do not be shocked, and this is wild to say. Do not be shocked if if Deontay Johnson gets like ninety targets in year one. I'm not saying it's the probable yeah. outcome, but if I got pretty decent odds on it, I would. You know, that's probably something I'd slide a little bit of money on because I mean, he. The, I don't know that there's anybody clearly blocking him from that, and so unless the Steelers opt to get Vance McDonald more involved or pass the ball to Connor with the amount of volume that they did to Lev Bell. It's base. It's basically Johnson, Johnson versus Washington versus Moncrief. And I, and one of them is going to emerge and why not Johnson uh, with what they just invested? Yeah, I think why not, why not Johnson? And that's, that's what I was kind of asking myself in a lot of drafts around the end of round two and, and even sneaking into round three where I, I've seen him kind of start to leak off the board. And I, I mean, the guy had over 2,000 all-purpose yards for Toledo two years ago. Just an incredible 
coming out party for him. Uh, and really, I think he slots in in the return game right away as an upgrade over uh, uh, Switzer. I guess he was the guy last year. I think so. He's going to be a returner, and I think he's going to prove his worth on the offense too. I think he could be at least third in, in snaps this year for them, even if they try to figure James Washington out a little bit more early on. So, yeah, that was going to be my uh, pick. So, again, thank you, Curtis, for making me have to uh, pivot off there yet again. And he's he got the draft capital, too. Uh, and he's got a pretty decent production profile as far as uh, his peak numbers go. So he's definitely somebody I'm eyeing for sure. I'm going to go kind of really super deep here, and this is because um, I think there's some value to be had at the very end of rookie drafts or you know even as a last second waiver ad as somebody who um, could actually find relevance if not this year at some point and stick on the roster unlike Laquan Treadwell did on the same team but Dylan Mitchell he, you know he's from Oregon uh, I, I was hopeful he was going to get a little bit more draft capital than he did uh, but he had a, a fa- fantastic really a production profile and, and decent breakout age and, and all all the boxes you want to see from a, a production standpoint, checked it there. And I really am a fan of his route running, and I think the Vikings are too. And, and they've shown that they're willing to let the best players play uh, a couple times already, with Diggs being you know a fifth-round pick, with Adam Thielen being uh, a no-round pick type guy. And they're just going to get the best players on the field, and I think that's where – Dylan Mitchell, he's he's probably already their third best wide receiver, and there's already been some buzz that that is going to happen uh, this year. So, if you know if you're in the last pick on the board and you want to ensure he's on your roster, I think Dylan Mitchell is probably going to be there, uh, and you can probably get him even as just a waiver ad after the fact too. Uh, he checks a lot of boxes except for the draft capital, but again, Vikings don't care, so I don't care. That's a good one. I think you just made TJ uh, TJ Calkins very very happy. He was a big Dylan Mitchell guy. I remember from Volume One of yeah. the of the guide. So uh, I'll just I'll just throw one out there, uh, one extra bonus name for the end of drafts that I think is probably not going to be selected yeah. in a typical four round draft at this point. Is a, a guy that we were high on early, and then and then he turned out to be uh, a little bit too small. But that's Greg Dortch. And uh, I think Greg Dortch could yeah. potentially be, by year two, year three, he could be taken over for that Jameson Crowder role uh, in New York. So, and, and obviously offers a lot in the return game, similar to what you were mentioning with Johnson. So he's a guy I'll probably end up with a lot of waiver claims on at the end of uh, rookie drafts in my leagues. For sure. Well, that's, that's all the time we have for this week and probably more than that, actually. But uh, as you can see, <laughs> rookie season and rookie drafts are definitely complicated. But I hope uh, this episode actually kind of helped you sift through who you might target in rounds one, round two, and then a couple you know targets to have later on as well. And if you want some more guidance, uh, we have that third volume of our rookie guide still available. You can still pick up your copy today at DynastyCommandCenter.com. And hey, check out our premium Slack too while you're there because tons of good discussion on leagues and drafts going on right now. But uh, Curtis, thanks again for joining me this week. And uh, listeners, you can find Curtis on Twitter at CPatrickNFL. And I'm Travis May at FF underscore Travis M. And thanks again for joining us for another edition of the Dynasty Command Center podcast. And until next time, keep living that Dynasty life. Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. For the ones standing guard. For the eagle-eyed. For the knights in shining armor. And for all those who support them. We are Granger, your experienced safety partner. 
offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com slash safety or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.